0: Father, we do thank You so much for Your great grace and and the way that You come to us through Jesus in humility, and You come to us gently, and You come to us compassionately, and You call us out of our sin, out of our mess, and into true life with You. And, and that's a work and an act of your grace and and we are thankful for that this morning and we pray that as as we respond to that grace and and as we give of our lives to you and give of our time and our effort and our money, would you take those things and would they bear much fruit and would you multiply them uh, that that we may impact Elmhurst in this neighborhood behind us uh f- for jesus that 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 the lost would come to know you, that the hurting would find comfort in you, and that the sick would find healing in you, Jesus. And we just pray that you would use our church to, to bless those around us and to invite them to, to love you and to know you. And thank you for this morning, and we pray that as we continue to worship you, as we hear from your word and respond in song, uh, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would make your presence known with us, and that you would turn our hearts and uh, and our minds and our affections towards Jesus, that we would be more in awe of your compassion and more in love with you as a result. We pray these things in Christ's name, Amen. So we've been in this uh, series. That well, actually, it's our second week in the series. We just started it last week called Gentle and Lowly. We're looking at the heart of Jesus. And the goal here is um, for us to fall more in love with our gentle and lowly Savior. And so this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. Um, So go ahead, you can open up to Matthew chapter 14, uh, starting in verse 13. So Matthew 14, 13 is where it will be. I think what we're going to see is that we have these certain implicit attitudes or expectations of, of how we think God views us and how we think God treats us. And I think sometimes these are wrong and harmful to our relationship with Him. Uh, I think sometimes we forget about how patient and compassionate God is with us, especially in our sin. So with that being said, let, let me uh, read for us from Matthew 14, verses 13 and 14. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Ask the word of the Lord this morning. See, Christ's compassion affects the way that He sees us and treats us. Christ's compassion affects the way that He sees us and treats us. And so, this morning, we're simply going to meditate together on the compassion of Jesus. And we're going to answer, as we do that, we're going to answer three questions. First, What does it mean to say that Christ is compassionate? Second, how does his compassion affect the way that he sees us? And third, how does his compassion affect the way that he treats us? So what does it mean to say that Christ is compassionate? Those two verses that we read... They show us Christ's compassion for us. And if we if we take a little bit of time to think about what's going on in those verses, they really do highlight the depth of His compassion. Because we read in verse 13, you can see that there, it says, Now when Jesus heard this, He withdrew from there on a boat to a desolate place by Himself. and And that kind of sets the stage for the compassion that Jesus is about. To show. So, what did Jesus hear? It says, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew. So, what did he hear that made him withdraw? Well, if you go back and read verses 3 to 12, you can see Herod, the tetrarch, he beheads John the Baptist, but then he hears about Jesus, and so Herod actually thinks that Jesus is some spooky John the Baptist resurrected from the dead. Okay, so Jesus hears that. Jesus is like, okay, so Herod thinks that I'm actually John the Baptist, the guy that he beheaded, come back from the dead to like haunt him or continue to do whatever. So if you're Jesus, you probably won't want to run into Herod in a dark alley because he's coming for you. He already beheaded, apparently he already beheaded you once because he thinks you're John the Baptist. So that sets the stage for the compassion of Jesus because if you follow me here, Jesus has been pouring his heart out in ministry up to this point in Matthew. He's he's been teaching them. He's been preaching to them. He's been going around their cities, healing their sick, cleansing the lepers, performing miracles, raising people from the dead. And despite all of this, Jesus is being met with rejection and hostility. And the crowds that are following him, they love him at one moment and then reject him the next. And now, with Herod the Tetrarch, he's basically got a bounty on his head. So he withdraws. And he's clearly seeking some alone time. Because look, look again at verse 13. Now, when Jesus heard this, right? All that stuff going on. He withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. So you get the picture there. Jesus wants and needs some alone time here. And then picking back up in verse 13, we read, But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, and healed their sick. Now really, that does highlight his compassion. In the face of rejection and persecution, in the face of His impending death, when when Jesus is exhausted and seeking rest, how does He respond to an annoying crowd that shows up to His quiet place? He doesn't withdraw he has compassion. He heals their sick. See, that's, that's the compassion of Jesus. Despite His desire and His genuine need for alone time, He puts that on pause because of the compassion He has for others. Even when those others are the same people who reject Him and who will be the ones to persecute Him and put Him on a cross. When he's alone and he wants just a minute to himself, he moves towards them in compassion. When someone gets in the way of my alone time or or breaks my train of thought in a quiet moment, I respond with consternation, not compassion. I get upset if I'm watching a football game and someone bothers me. But Jesus, He never tells us to come back tomorrow. He never tells us He's too busy. He doesn't get snippy with us. He doesn't respond in anger. Your life, your problems, your issues, your pain, your feelings, the good, the bad, the ugly, the big, the small, they're not a burden to Jesus. You don't annoy Him. You can't catch Him at a bad time. Because of His compassion for us. And this, this word in the original uh, for He had compassion, it, it's a special word that's used basically only in reference to Jesus in the New Testament. There's two times where it's not used of Jesus explicitly and it's in parables where the character it's used of is clearly representing God. And maybe the best translation for it is, his heart went out to them. It literally means that his uh, internal organs were moved within him. It's the seat and the source of love in someone. There's a a theologian, uh, Leon Morris, he says, this isn't human pity that we're talking about. It's divine compassion for troubled people. People, I think we need to be reminded of that this morning. Whatever sin or temptation you're struggling with, whatever affliction or illness that pains you right now, whatever heartbreak, whatever problem you're facing, it's not a burden to Jesus. It doesn't bother Him. In fact, he's drawn to that. He has compassion on the crowd and he heals their sick and he wants to heal you too. He's drawn to that. His heart goes out to you. His insides are stirred to action because of you. So Christ's compassion is it determines the way that he sees us and treats us. And so that's kind of just a, a brief meditation on, on how Christ is compassionate. So, how does his compassion impact the way that he sees us? If you flip back to Matthew 9, just a few pages back, Matthew 9 36. This is the first time that Matthew uses this special word uh, for Christ's compassion. And in v- Matthew 9.36, we read this. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Christ's compassion... Allows him to see us as harassed and helpless, to see us as sheep without a shepherd. I mean, imagine seeing a, a teenager like shoplifting, okay? Okay, maybe baggy pants, tattered hoodie, and you think, oh, there's just one more teen punk or some thug just doing what they want. But then you learn that his family doesn't have money to pay for food, and this seems like his only option so that they don't starve. Well, the stealing is still wrong. But all of a sudden, we see that situation differently. Our hearts, we're we're no longer judgmental. Our hearts go out to them. We don't see somebody shoplifting. We see a starving family who needs help. And that's how Jesus sees us. Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so the imagery there is is sheep who've just been ravaged by wild... The the literal words there for helpless and harassed are they've been flayed. They've been flayed alive. They're, They're tattered. there's no shepherd there to protect them and to nourish them sheep are defenseless sheep are stupid they're just they're just dumb they will they will just continue to eat at one patch of grass until it's dirt and guess what they'll do once it's dirt they'll continue to eat thinking that there's more grass somehow there they're dumb Sheep need someone to protect them and to lead them. That's how Jesus, in His compassion, sees us as, as people who need someone to protect us and to lead us. Because we haven't been ravaged by Wild beasts. We haven't been flayed and tattered by the elements outside physically. No, no, no. We've been ravaged by sin. Sin has wreaked havoc on the world and in each of our personal lives. We experience death and loss. We experience pain and trauma. We experience scarcity and lack. We experience deception and doubt. Others have sinned against us and hurt us. We experience broken relationships. And our own sin has left a trail of destruction a mile long behind us. And Jesus hates our sin. But not as a vengeful God. He hates our sin because of His compassion. He hates our sin because of what it does to us. He hates our sin because of the pain that it brings. He hates our sin because it leaves us helpless and harassed. It leaves us flayed and tattered. He sees the destruction of sin in our lives and he's moved to divine compassion. He doesn't look at our sin and say, well, to hell with them. They created this mess. He looks at our sin. He looks at you. He looks at me. And you know what he sees? He sees people who are in great danger and who are in great pain, yet without the resources to escape from it. People who are in great danger from sin and great pain from sin. And yet he knows that we don't even have the resources to get out from that. And that moves him to compassion. And I think that's why we need to hear this today. Because when we sin, our natural inclination is to move away from God. When we we sin, we believe that God will be repulsed by it. We believe that it's going to make Jesus turn His nose up at us. We believe that He's going to start backing away from us. But the, the exact opposite is true. Look at who Jesus seeks out in the Gospels. Next week we're going to look at a text where Jesus is called a friend of sinners and tax collectors. He seeks out the prostitutes. He seeks out the sinners. He seeks out the lepers, the ceremonially unclean. Earlier in Matthew, Jesus says, Jesus, that He came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. He does not move away from us when we sin. It's actually in our sin that Jesus wants to press in further because of His compassion. Uh, writer Dane Ortland, he says, when Christ sees and experiences the fallenness of the world of all about him, his deepest impulse and most natural instinct is to move toward that sin and suffering, not away from it. And I just think that sometimes we treat our sin as something that's going to make God run away. He, he's going to turn. He's going to withdraw. No, Jesus was withdrawing. He gets some alone time. And even in the midst of being bugged in his alone time, the sin and his compassion actually made him press into those who needed his help the most. That's why Jesus came to earth in the first place. He left the perfection of heaven to embrace the stickiness of sin, to be with us because of his compassion. He doesn't mind the muck. He doesn't mind the dirtiness. He doesn't mind our ignorance. He doesn't mind our helplessness. Those are the things that draw His heart out to us. Those are the things that lead Him to heal us, to embrace us in His arms. When He sees us, He looks at us as a father looks at His son and His heart breaks. With every bad decision and every resultant consequence, His heart breaks. He hates our sin. And our sin is wrong. And our sin hurts him. But he has compassion on us because more than our sin hurts him, he sees how our sin hurts us. More than anything else, Jesus wants you to be healed. And so too often, when we sin, we believe that we need to make up for it before we can approach God again. Too often we believe our sin makes us dirty and we got to do something to cleanse ourselves. Too often we believe that when we sin, God's reaction is is to withdraw. And we got to fight that. Because it's just not true. It's the opposite. So when you fall into that sin again, More than anything else, it elicits compassion. And Jesus is drawn to you in that moment. So how how does Christ's compassion impact the way he sees us? He sees us as sheep without a shepherd. As people who are in great danger and great pain, yet lack the resources to escape it. That's how Jesus sees us, in his compassion. And that's what moves him to action. So, how does Christ's compassion impact in the way that he treats us? Because his compassion doesn't just stop with his heart going out to us, because his body follows. His heart goes out to us, and guess what? As his heart goes out to us, it's not just, oh, I feel for you, okay, Bye. It's, I feel for you, and let's do this together. I'm going to fix this for you. We're going to heal together. His compassion always leads to action. So how does Christ's compassion impact the way that he treats us? If you flip back to Matthew 14, the passage that we read earlier, we see Christ's compassion impacts how he treats the sick in verse 14 it says, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Compassion isn't just an attitude, but it drives him to compassionate action. So he sees their needs and he meets those needs. He heals them. And, and he, sees, he sees them earlier as sheep without a shepherd. He sees them as harassed and helpless. He sees their sickness. He knows their weakness. He feels their pain. He understands the heartache. And in his compassion, his heart goes out to them and it compels him to heal them. He was exhausted. He was persecuted. He was overwhelmed. He Hearing about John the Baptist being beheaded, it certainly put in Jesus' mind, it reminded him, oh yeah, your crucifixion's coming up, Jesus. So he's, Jesus is like feeling the weight of the world right now. He's overwhelmed and his compassion comes flooding out of him like a rushing river and he heals the sick in the midst of that. And if you read on, you'll see that that's not all that he does. You're sick? Okay, in my compassion, I'll heal you. What happens next? You're hungry? Okay, in my compassion, let's take a few loaves of bread, a few fish, and feed well over 5,000 people. And I love this, because I've missed this before. But we hear about Christ's compassion right before one of the greatest miracles that he performs which is feeding the 5,000 from five loaves of bread and two fish. We see the deep compassion of Jesus married to the great power of God. The compassion of Jesus is kind of the navigator for the direction that God's power goes out. How does does Jesus determine where he's going to bestow this divine grace and power? Well, out of his compassion, he gives it to those who need it most. When Jesus is tempted in the wilderness by Satan after 40 days of fasting to turn stones into bread to eat it, he doesn't do that for himself. Because his compassion doesn't tell him to take his divine power and use it on himself. Yet when a crowd is starving and they only have five loaves of bread, his compassion directs him to say, okay, yeah, let's use that power. Let's be God to these people and feed them. And I love that. Because we see this, the one who is compassionate towards us is also the one who is able to turn five loaves of bread into a feast. So, so we know then, okay, it's helpful, Jesus. It's great that, that you feel me. Uh, what are you going to do about it in my life then? Well, he's going to be God and do what he does. He's going to bring you out of the muck despite the odds, despite what your circumstance looks like. If he's able to turn five loaves of bread into food for well over 5,000 people, he's able to take whatever it is that you're in right now and bring you out of that in his compassion. He meets us in our darkest hours with heartfelt compassion and with infinite power. He suffers with us and he's able to pull us Out of it, He's able to heal us. The sins that we've committed. The chaos that that's created. The sin that we're stuck in. The compassionate, powerful One wants to heal you. His compassion impacts how He treats us. His compassion directs His divine power to give us healing from our sin and from the sin around us. But not only does He heal us then, in His compassion, He cancels our debt of sin. Because I'll have you flip to one more place in Matthew. If you, if you look in Matthew 18, we see this, uh, I think it's verse 27, we see the, the parable of this... Um, unforgiving servant. You Basically, you have this master and a servant. The servant has a debt that he can never pay off. And when I say he can never pay off, his debt is about 200,000 years' salary. I don't know. Even if he won the lottery, he's not going to make a dent in that. Matthew writes that the master had compassion Same special word, used of Jesus. The master had compassion, and so set him free and canceled the debt. And those words in the Greek are the same words that we use, or that New Testament writers use, when they talk about Jesus setting us free from sin and canceling the debt of sin. So how much more in our sin do we need a compassionate king and master who will set us free and who will cancel our debt? A debt that we could never pay. It's ultimately Jesus' compassion that drives him to the cross so that he can set us free, so that he can cancel the debt. That we have. He, he sees us. As sheep without sh- a shepherd. He sees us. In our lowly state. He sees us as people. In great danger. In great pain. And without the re- Our debt is way too big. We can't get ourselves out of sin. The power of sin is too strong. He sees that. We're sheep without a shepherd. We're harassed and helpless. And so, because of that, Jesus is driven to the cross in His compassion. His compassion allows Him to go to the cross and to hang up there and die for us. So that He could cancel the debt that our sin has created. And so He could free us, set us free from the power of sin. And in doing so, heal us. So we don't have to live in that sin and in that muck anymore. He sees that destruction of sin and his heart just goes out and so he acts. So remember the compassion of Jesus this morning. Cling to it. Find refuge in it. Embrace it. Fight to keep it. Because God doesn't see you as, oh, you did this, you did that. you got to clean yourself up. I can't believe you sinned again. He sees you as, oh my goodness. Look at the mess we're in. Let, let me get you out of that. Stop believing that, that God's withdrawing from us when we sin. He's doing the opposite. He's, he's pressing in in His compassion. So let's remember that compassion of Jesus, but let's not stop there as, as we're filled with that compassion of Jesus. As that starts to flow through our veins, may we also then, church, burst forth into a world with compassion. May we be those who show the compassion of Jesus to others around us. There are people in our families, there are people in our neighborhoods, there are people in our workplaces, there are people at our schools that are harassed and helpless and they're in slavery to sin. The same way that Christ has acted compassionately towards us, church, may we act compassionately towards them. Because when when we receive this compassionate Jesus, when we put our faith in him for the forgiveness of sins, for the canceling of the debt, for the healing of everything that's gone wrong, when we put our faith in Jesus, he gives us the Holy Spirit who fills us up and empowers us to no longer have to live in that sin, who empowers us to, to live in a healed and in a new life. And the Holy Spirit, he is able then to grant us Patience and compassion. So when someone bugs me while I'm trying to watch the bears, I can respond with compassion. Or when I see someone across the street who's in great need, I can respond in compassion. Or when I see someone who I disagree with, I can respond with compassion. Jesus responds with compassion and heals those. The same people that he knew, we're going to put them on the cross. Can I respond to people that I don't like, that I disagree with? Maybe they're on a different political or social aisle from me. Can I respond with compassion? Because even when he withdrew to be alone and some annoying crowd came running after him, he responded with an attitude and actions of compassion. That's why in First John, he writes, little children, let us not only love in word and talk, but in deed and in truth. And so church this week, may we, first and foremost, recapture the compassion of Jesus in our lives when we sin, when we're sinned against, when we're at our worst. May we recapture that compassion this week. And may that become so familiar to us that we then are compassionate with those around us who are in great danger, in great pain, and lack the resources and lack Jesus to be healed.